on the set. Hello and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Hannah Quinn, I work as a director and I'm also on the board of WFT. In this podcast, our chair, Dr. Susan Liddy, talks to four screenwriters directors about their long careers in the industry. Ruth Meehan, Maeve Murphy, Geraldine Creed and Hilary Reynolds. Hi everyone, this is Susan Liddy, Chair of WIFT and Board Member on WIFT International. We have a wonderful discussion here about creating and sustaining careers. How can you how can you make your career um, a long and productive one? And you know, we're going to find out a little bit about our um, our, our, our panelists tonight, how they do it, their worries, their fears, um, maybe more positive things, opportunities that they've discovered, and so on. So before we kick off, can I start by introducing them? And this is in no particular order. And the other thing, just a bit of a caution, if you saw some of their CVs, really, I, I could be here for 12 months reading the stuff out. So I've taken the liberty of slimlining everything and giving you the bare bones of everybody. And if you want to know more about any of these very interesting panellists, I know that that will be available uh, on our website for you. So let me begin with Maeve Murphy. Maeve, the writer and director of three acclaimed feature films, all of which have been selected for and awarded at several international film festivals, including Cannes, where Silent Grace, starring Orla Brady, who was one of our guests uh, over the last couple of months, um, uh, she starred in that film and is represented the UK in Cannes. So, um, by the way, that Silent Grace film was also placed number 38 on the Irish Times list of 50 greatest Irish films ever made, which was, uh, I'm sure, a wonderful uh, a pleasure for Maeve to discover that. Um, Maeve was recipient of Best Film at the London Independent Film Festival for Beyond the Fire. She won the Independent Spirit Award in Monaco for taking stock and Best Female Director at the Wind International Film Festival in LA. Her first novella, Christmas at the Cross, was serialised uh, in the Irish Times and published earlier this year. And it's been optioned by Tile Media uh, with Fiona Kinsler, a fellow uh, WIFT board member uh, to produce. So you're very welcome, Maeve. On to Geraldine Creed then. Filmmaker and writer, Geraldine works in drama and documentary production. Her most recent documentary, Mercury 13, was made for Netflix in 2018. Geraldine has written several screenplays, two of which she made into feature films. She's directed and produced over 50 hours of primetime TV, which is quite something. And she started her film career, which I often forget, Geraldine, actually, uh, working as an editor with acclaimed directors like Ridley Scott and Bob Brooks, for instance. She worked on commercials. She also worked on Terence Davies' uh, feature film, Distant Voices to Lives. Geraldine is a recipient of many screenplay and production development awards from Screen Ireland and the Arts Council, and she's at the moment developing two feature film projects with funding from Screen Ireland, while also teaching screenwriting and directing at DKIT and Gorey School of Art. So Geraldine, thanks for joining us this evening. On to Ruth now. Ruth has made uh, award-winning documentaries for RT, and I could give you a long list of them, but for instance, let's just say she co-directed on Imagining Ulysses, an award-winning RTE Blueprint feature documentary. She's also developed three feature films with funding from Screen Ireland, and she was commissioned to write the feature film Raven on the Wing for Bedlam Productions London. In 2015, she directed a number of episodes of Red Rock for Element Pictures, and more recently, in 2019, she set up Playground Pictures with Tony Deegan to produce the feature that we all know uh, about by now, The Bright Side, 
which he co-wrote, directed and executive produced in 2020, and, uh, which has done so well for her. So thanks for joining us, Ruth. We're delighted to have you. And finally, Hilary Reynolds. Hilary began life as an actor. She's now a senior scriptwriter on Fair City and has written literally hundreds of episodes and has extensive experience in their story room. She was nominated for NIFTA in 2011. She also was an episode writer on Little Roy, a children's live action animated project with Jam Media. And she worked in the story room and co-wrote an episode of the recent series, Southwesterlies, which was created by Catherine Marr. She was commissioned by um, Ripple World to write the screenplay Ebony Smart and the Book of Learning, which is an adaptation of the Book of Learning by E.R. Murray with co-writer Claire Dowling. So thanks very much, Hilary, and thanks to all of you uh, for, for joining us. I'm de really delighted to have you. Um, so where will we begin? I suppose um, it could be a situation here where, you know, people know some people more than other people. People are looking on, they, they will all have known, have heard of you, of course. But I think maybe start at the beginning rather than making any assumptions about what people do know. So I wonder, really, if we started in, in, the, in, the, in the order, we'll start with you, Maeve, and we'll sort of go around uh, my screen here, my order. But please feel free to jump in rather than, you know, one question, like a, a panellist in a very rigid way. But I want to ask you all how you began. Like, why did you find yourself in this business? How did you get in? And I suppose the other question that I want to throw in now, um, because it might be left out and I think it's interesting, is did you have a sort of a career plan in your head when you started in this business? We start with you, Maeve. Um, so I came to film via theatre. Um, I was with a women's theatre company, Trub and Strife, which I co-founded after I left college. And... Um, and so one of the plays that we did, I I kind of thought, oh, that could be a film. I, I always had a thing about film, and I don't know where it came from. You know, like I, I, I remember saying, let's make this as a film. And it's like, I remember one of the women saying, but why <laughs> do theatre, you know? Um, and, and funnily enough, bizarrely, um, somebody who I was going out with who was in Dublin, his brother was a very good friend of Ed Guiney. And, and this was before, before, before. And I think he was doing like the three Joes or something like that. But because of the person I was going out with, it's a ridiculous kind of, you know, <laughs> roundabout thing. I met up with it. So there was somebody I could sort of talk to about film, you know. Mm -hmm. And so he was kind of a bit interested in that. So that gave me a bit of kind of like, oh, um, and um, because obviously it was about the dirty protest in, in Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. So it has an Irish connection you know mm. um and then um I experienced you know the first thing of being a woman's filmmaker like nobody was interested to begin with you know never mind okay. you have to be resilient um and um and um and then so at that point it was just as a writer and then I went to a carton screenwriting course that I, I was selected for. And um, there was, uh, you had to kind of come up with like a sample script at the end of it. Mm -hmm. and, and I was sitting beside this guy who, who was a director as well. And he had his own little production company. And I had written a short and I gave it to him. And I said, you know, what do you think? And he said, why are you showing it to me? And I said, well, would your production company be interested? And he said, don't you want to direct it? And I said, because he was a director. And I said, yes, I would. And I hate to say it because that sounds like I was giving permission from a guy, but in a way it did open the door for what I wanted. And I'm, it must've been bloody obvious, you know, cause I don't know why he would have said that if it hadn't been obvious, if you know what I mean? 
Um, so I, 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 I had this little blessing that happened, that that film was facilitated, not financially, but facilitated, you know, and got made. And actually, mm. Brendan Coyne, what's his name? Yeah, anyway, he was in that. Um, and um, uh, um, so that, that was such a buzz you know, mm. to do. And I just loved it. I loved it. I loved working with the DOP. I loved working with the editor. There was no pressure on me because it, it was sort of independent, you know, when I raised a couple of grand to do it. And and then it got into a film festival, two film festivals. And it was like, my God, you know, th- I can do this, you know. Mm. So, so yeah, so that, that was... So that's that interesting. Was, so, so you, you didn't, you didn't in the way that many people do today go into film school and go no. through the formal you you came at it uh, a different way but then you would probably i know the film uh, storytelling in film you know in terms of structure and others there are differences but nonetheless you your interest in theater i mean presumably there were there were many crossovers as well were there um Maeve? yeah because the thing is is the way that London was at that time, the, the London Irish creative scene, there was a there was a lot of crossover mm-hmm. in the in Irish material, if okay. you see what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and so that's how that kind of thing happened. And mm. and also because I, I did feel there was a cinematic thing in, in the Armagh project. But the first short I made had nothing to do with Armagh, but that was something that I did on my own. I, I wrote this sort of 10-page short, mm. you know, so I didn't go to film school. I, I had been a professional actress in, in terms of the theatre mm. and I was working after Trouble Strike finished in um, as a professional actress on TV and film. So I knew the set. Yeah. yeah. And I knew yeah. scripts. So yeah. from that point of view, I wasn't daunted. But later on, I did. I did Moonstone, which was in Galway, actually. And I was supported by FOSS. You know, I had the strength connection with yeah. the Irish film industry and yeah. so so and Paul Dwan and people like that were on the, the course mm. that I did so I went for two weeks on the screenwriting course or mm. one week on the screenwriting course and two weeks on the on the filmmakers mm. course so I mm. did get um yes. training in a very condensed way and yes. it was mentor-led and it was yes. brilliant that yeah. one-to-one from practitioners was fantastic mm. You know, it, it makes yeah. such a difference. So yeah. didn't go through film school, but I did have this. But eventually, yeah. Yeah, Moonstone. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. Geraldine, what about you? Tell us your story. Uh, well, I, I I didn't want to go to film school. I didn't apply to go to film school because there wasn't any film school. Um, you know, I, I wanted to do journalism um, and... Uh, when Lydia Doolan left RTE herself and Bob Quinn and they wrote their, their book, Stand Up and Be Counted. Mm. Uh, Lydia started this course called Communications in the College of Commerce and Rat Mines. So we were kind of the guinea pigs because we were all kind of, you know, the people that didn't get into journalism that year. Um, <laughs> and she, she, you know, decided uh, herself and Michael Morris decided, OK, we'll, we'll take his on board. I think there was about 12 of us. Um, I think Fergus Ty was um, he was a, a, a mm. co-student, um, but we had no equipment in the first year. Like we were just all there. It was just all, you know, um, chat, chat, chat. But yeah, that's where I started. And and to be honest with you, I mean, the film business was very much it was it was very union orientated back then. So 
to get your foot in the door, you needed to have a union ticket. So mm-hmm. that was like, I left, I, I didn't finish my degree. I left in the third year. Um, I made a short film and then I got a job with Mulane as a runner making tea and coffee. And that's really, I suppose, where I started and, and, and got myself a, a, you know, a trainee assistant editor mm-hmm. ticket and then worked on a on my first film was pat murphy's um and evelyn wow that's not a bad first film to be working on is it yeah and that was mad that was a good experience um, so do you think that for you jordan for you was it about um facilitating you meeting other people do you think that that's kind of your 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 kind of uh the plus coming out of uh, of of that course yeah, well, I suppose the thing is that, you know, when you go to film school, you get such a shock when you come out because you're not really, especially back then, I think it's more streamlined now. You you didn't have any connections with the business back then. You had to kind of knock on doors and everybody, um, I remember knocking on people's doors and it was mostly, you know, older men and they were saying, what the hell, you want to be, don't go near this business. Stay out, you know, so it made you more determined to say, well, I'm I'm going to make it in this mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I mean, I, I, I ended up going to London because really at that time there wasn't that much filmmaking going on here. So that's how I ended up in London and being freelance in London. It was great. It was lovely. It was it was the 80s and there was loads of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And so would you say would you say, Geraldine, that you didn't have what you might call today like a career plan you know the way we're often told now oh the trouble is that women don't have plans for their careers but I mean and I don't know whether whether people still whether people do have plans or not but did you have kind of goals in mind or did you have kind of a a map you did even then yeah I think you have to like I mean okay in editing at the time you know yeah you you were like a you were a trainee assistant editor, then a second assistant editor, then a first assistant editor, and then an editor. So you had to go through all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then once I was an editor, you're you're kind of, you know, you 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 can work on jobs, but then the gap between jobs becomes bigger because obviously they're, you know, it's a bigger, mm-hmm. you're ahead of a department. So at a certain stage, I decided, I think I I was about 10 years in editing. Um, and I decided that I wanted to direct. And that's, I, I came home to do that because I thought that coming home was, a, a, it was a better option. It was, you know, a smaller pool. Now there wasn't any film board back then, there was nothing. So it was all barter, do you know what I mean? You get to know people and you get to know like people that are interested in camera and film base was really good at the time, but there was no film funding. So we all helped each other make films. Um, and that's really that's how I started directing. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I would edit somebody's film and, and, you know, they would shoot my film for me or, you know, be assistant director or produce. And that, that, sounds, was, kind of, that sounds kind of nice, Geraldine. Um, it, it was good. It? <laughs> it was good. But, but you know, that was at, at a whole point where, you know, we were all marching to get the film, you yeah. know, close down the film board. And then we were all marching to get it um, brought back again. And then good old Michael D., um decided that you know he he, he would uh, get it back because we were all told well you know movies aren't made in studios anymore and we don't have any you know call for a film board so um yeah i, I there would have been a plan like the plan do you know what i mean like when you're a director you you obviously have to make your short films mm. you have to kind of get out there that's your calling card um and that 
I would have been thinking about that. Like you're thinking about that. And I would always like, I was always, I didn't want to be a director for hire. I wanted to write my own stuff mm-hmm. and direct yeah. my own stuff. Yeah. I wouldn't thought about that when I was going to festivals. Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, you know, the TV work that I ended up doing was a, a godsend because when you're, you're in a position where you're developing a project and you're in development hell, I mean, you can go a couple of years without yes. actually exercising your craft. Mm-hmm. So, you know, me, like I decided at a certain stage to make bread and butter that I was going to, you know, I had the opportunity to work on TV and that's what I did. Mm-hmm. But in a way, people try and box you in, you know, say, oh, you're a film director, so you don't do anything else. When in fact, in life, you do loads of other things. You can be involved in loads of other projects. But but I do, I do think it is good to have a plan. I, I would have always had a, there's that kind of like four or five year plan because if you if you decide that you're gonna work on a project for two years, it's 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 usually too short because it's it takes a long time to finance anything. Yes. Get yes, people yes. on board with a yeah. project. So yeah. you would go crazy if you only had that. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you know, evolve and do other mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Geraldine. Coming to you, Ruth, what what about you? Tell us, first of all, do you agree with Geraldine about a plan? Did you have a plan? And where did it all begin for you? When did you kind of go, this is what I want to go, what I want to do? I will, first of all, completely agree with Geraldine about a plan. And I was absolutely useless at having one, really, other than I wanted to direct. Um, And I actually think I probably made it really hard on myself. like I, I was very jealous of the students of communications over in Rathmines because I studied communications in DCU and it was supposed to be academic. And I, um, I was, there was one tiny video module and I remember being sent out with a camera and just picking it up one day and looking through it and having one of those moments, which is, my God, imagine if you could make a living doing this. Mm. And um, I was totally in the wrong course. <laughs> But then all I, I did a thesis, a video thesis, and basically it was self-taught that there was no great, um, I mean, it was so bad that we had to make it black and white because the color balance was wrong. And this is, a, <laughs> like, and, um, um, and then I made the fatal mistake of deciding I was only going to direct, you know. Um, now, back then, as Geraldine was saying, there weren't opportunities. I had no connections. Mm. Um, I was very in awe of the students over in Rathmines who seemed to know a lot. Have a lot better access but I did actually get um, a chance to do some education programs which was not very glamorous but um, di- again I started as a director and I remember on day one on the first day of the shoes going into the toilet to cry <laughs> because it was really fake until you make it like it just you can't you know yeah. it was just terrible I was so under skilled um, but it did you know I did actually get to direct um, and make and work with camera crews and I do think there's something to just you know every day you're you're telling a story even if it's a simple little moment mm-hmm. and I, w- I think I would have underestimated the value of that mm-hmm. because you're always looking at the glamorous people making real films and they're yes. real filmmakers and you're not really a real filmmaker you're just farting around with you know and and, and actually you know that education programming um, did give me skills um, I was also trying to, you know, win short film competitions with precious little money. And to be honest as well, I was, I was much more um, neurotic about whether or not I was capable. Like, I think yes. that question 
of mm. have I got the ability to do this is so debilitating mm. um, especially in your 20s and your you know it's it's ridiculous um well it's not ridiculous it's totally understandable mm. um, but it is <clears throat> a huge amount of energy that's going in the wrong direction um and and so I did um I, w- I ended up eventually studying screenwriting in Beaconsfield which was not a fantastic experience for me but actually when I came back I was able to get a couple of awards to make short films which were really bad I am um, I did and and um because again I think I was I mean I could talk for Ireland about the debilitating um levels of fear it amazes me really that I did continue but there was a genuine real desire to try to find out where the the something that wanted to be expressed could mm-hmm. I land it with an audience and um so I did eventually think of a one minute short film that was shown in Galway and I got to, I got to sit there and see an audience re- and go oh that's the thing you know that's the thing and um so but I had a terrible career plan um, you know, I must have an army of angels <laughs> working 24 seven um, because I was doing But the great thing what Geraldine was saying there about, you know, us having I'd, I've done a lot of television and I think Ireland has been fantastic because if you're in London, you really are. You can only be a commercial director or documentary or factual or drama. And I wouldn't have chosen the path I've taken. But in mm. fact, I wouldn't have missed like the, the amount of um, factual programs I got. I did around the world, and I I would say to people, look at your character and see what is your character, because I am actually very adventurous, and I could never have experienced the adventures I have experienced making some factual television for RTE mm. making drama, and yet yes. I never would have been. I'm delighted to be make having had a chance to make a feature film. I mean you know just to be able to have both those experiences i think is quite um incredible to be honest it's wonderful and we we'll come back to that uh ruth uh, your feature film um hillary um what, what about you had, had you a grand plan and how did you how did you even get in did you start as an as an actor in yeah i i did um and i suppose um uh, as a kid, I, I did drama and I did some TV commercials and things like that. So I kind of fell into the business. It was mm. kind of automatic straight after school and I got work and I got jobs in, you know, the Abbey and the Gate and the project and some TV work. And then I ended up going to London uh, and all through my 20s in uh, I, I worked as an actor and I it was it was exciting and it was, you know, being in London was great then. And uh, you know, it was free and I was working and I mean, sometimes I wasn't working and I was waitressing, but uh, I, I got some pretty good jobs and I worked in Glasgow Sits and the Royal Court and the National and mm. some BBC work. And uh, uh, yeah, so it was good. And then I think things begin to change. And then I had children and I didn't really want to tour anymore. I didn't want to be away from them. I didn't want to go somewhere for six months at a time. Um, so I guess I started thinking about, you know, oh, what else could I do? So I did a open university degree. And at the same time, we lived in Camden and they had it was a, a labor council. I don't know if it still is, but they just had some brilliant courses um, with creches. 
So uh, I did a course in journalism and we just had this really strict teacher. She was terrific and she just give us homework, which you had to do and you had to send off, you know, your articles or your ideas. So we all did that because we'd just be too terrified to come back into the class and not have done it. Um, and I got uh, some feedback from the Irish press. I just sent letters everywhere. Um, and they, uh, they went with one of my ideas and um, I, I got this uh, two page spread with all the photographs that I had taken for the article. And I, I just, I couldn't believe it. It was, it was just wonderful. Um, and they thought I was a journalist. So they kept commissioning me. And then I learned all about deadlines and you know, how quickly you had to turn something around and having taken like weeks to write something, then, you know, they say, can you have it by Monday? So, um, yes, yeah, so then, um, so yeah, then I, I started writing and I was writing as a journalist for, and, and working as an actor. Um, and then I was getting work back in Ireland. So um, I, I kind of slowly moved back and I guess, you know, I was kind of thinking, where do I want, my kids to go to school and stuff like that and London is great when you're young and free and you've got no ties um, and I was getting the work back here um, um, but I'd still wanted to write and I'd kind of got a taste for it uh, and then I was uh, my sister stopped going on about it and gave me a uh, an entry form for the PJ O'Connor Awards uh, so I wrote a play we were living down in Carlo at the time um, in this beautiful garden Altamont Gardens and so I wrote a play based there. Um, and anyway, it, it got shortlisted and I kind of hounded Lawrence Foster to produce it. So he did. And I played a part in it. Um, and then I, I got work on the clinic and then I got a part in Fair City. And um, yeah, so uh, I was in it for about a year and a half. And I was just very interested in, I suppose I was lucky because I was there and I was on the set, kind of like what Meg was saying yeah. earlier. You're you're there, you're you get the feel of it, you see how the cameras work, you're reading and reading and reading scripts. And I just read loads and loads of scripts. Um and I knew the sets and I knew the characters. So I asked if I could do a shadow script. So uh they said yes, and it was Kevin McHugh at the time. And um and then I just got commissioned and I've kind of been I've been working on it ever since. So you know, I I I I feel very privileged to be working mm -hmm. on it, um, and it's a great Certainly, team. Hillary, a lot of people have wanted to write for that show and and have found it impossible to get on it. So, um, at, you know, at, uh, especially during periods where there wasn't much work around, it was the most sought after gig in the in the country. I'd say at one stage. I suppose there's not a lot of 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 steady enough writing jobs I mean you know it's all contract to contract and mm -hmm. and it's it is really hard work and it's very challenging and it's very rewarding and yeah so I do feel very lucky and mm -hmm. and very privileged to be working on the show um and I I you know I work on other things as well because it's good to kind of you know refresh your brain and whatever um so in a way I I, I never I never had a plan like that it just mm -hmm. I just but I think that probably you just you would, you know, as my life changed, then I you look for opportunities of what you can do and what is available for you and like where you want to live. And, you know, if you have kids, they have to go to school somewhere um, and you have to feed them and you have to earn money. And, 
you know, all of those things. I mean, whether you have kids or not, you still have, you still have all those, all those, all those things. And so, Mm -hmm. so I guess if something dries up in one area, you have to try and find another way and see what, see what happens and, you know, and, and just kind of keep working at stuff and and not Mm -hmm. give up at stuff Mm -hmm. in a way. It's interesting because television has come up now. That's the, uh, that's the third uh, mention of television and how useful uh, that can be as well. Whereas I think sometimes we talk an awful lot, maybe exclusively about film and, and maybe forgetting um, the opportunities. Although I there's a whole other question as to how many opportunities are actually there, uh, but certainly potentially if there were opportunities, it's, it's fantastic to get work in television. Um, coming back uh, along there, um, Maeve, what were for you were the high and low points? And did you ever think of just packing it in? Because you meet a lot of people and, you know, uh, we were talking earlier, even at the, these times are quite hard for creative people, I think, at the minute. I know they're quite extraordinary circumstances, but even in regular times, I mean, it can be so uncertain, can it not? Were there any moments where you thought to hell with it? I'll do something else. Well, no, in te- in, 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 but 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 I in a way I, I was very focused with film, though I did try to get into TV and the, there was no give there at all. But um, I, I did have this piece of luck where I ended up working in Ken Ochi's production company. So I had this, this example um, of the fact that you could make films and they didn't have to be popcorn films either, you know? Mm-hmm. And there was a person who was older as well and that wasn't an issue just getting on to those other that's interesting yeah that's yeah so incredible role model for me because when i when i was was sort of like answering the phone for parallax pictures you know ken was was in his 50s and 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 was and was basically getting he probably would hate me for saying this it'll have to be edited but it felt like almost saved by sally hibben and 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 rebecca o'brien because you know he he'd almost been blacklisted for a lot of the kind of political documentaries he'd been making about the miners and stuff and because they got european money for him because they couldn't couldn't get any money in england it kind of completely refreshed his career and he just went film 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 every year right up until 80 right and so I, I was there in that environment thinking I can make films because yes. that's what people can do. And they can be completely, you know, political films mm. you know, as well. And um, so, um, so what's interesting, just to answer your question. Mm. So I had this incredible, what I thought was like, oh my God, I'd, I'd break from, you know, the universe. I'd, I'd written a spec play, which later became Beyond the Fire. At that point, it was called Playing with Fire, which Rebecca O'Brien, in her kind of downtime, thought she, you know, became the producer of. And so she was sending it off to get, like, um, you know, funding. And it didn't get funding. And I was, like, absolutely crushed, you know. And it was after I'd made, like, Amazing Grace, which I thought was a great short. And that was the moment from the point of view of being a woman filmmaker mm-hmm. where I fe- I think that's where that kicked in a bit, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and so because there wasn't like what there is now, those mm-hmm. schemes for, you know, first time mm-hmm. filmmakers mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. That's where, you know, I felt like, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? You know? And that's when I did this kind of insane, crazy sort of jump and landed in Wicklow. 
and just decided I'm going to make Simon Grace, you know, and, and in Ireland because I knew that the Irish Film Board did completion funding. Um, and um, so in a way, um, if I had, a, I didn't think about giving up, but I was very, I felt like, oh, crikey, I feel like, you know, what, what, what am I going to do? And so I had to, to really, it was a sort of like a leap of faith almost, you know, mm. uh, and hard work to do mm. that. Um, mm. And so I think what I feel is, is that everybody's going to have crushing setbacks. However, sometimes they can be the moment where you kind of do your most interesting work because you're pushed through a limit. Does that make sense? It does, except it's it's popping into my head now. And, I, and give me a quick answer to this because I want to know what the others think as well. Presumably you needed money to live. I mean, were you bringing yeah. money in? Because that's, I mean, it can't be done on fresh air. No, no, no. But I, I did live very frugally mm. and, and did for years, you know. But I did do shop work. Um, okay. And I also did um, some script reading work okay. as well, where I do those like little reports, yes. you know, which were quite, which kept you in the industry. Yeah. But it was kind of, you know, um, and um, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, and again and again, this keeps hitting me with people that, you know, with, with practitioners that you speak to all the time. It's kind of like there is this passion and you, like, that's the thing, no matter what happens, it's just, for some people, it's so big, it just won't relinquish you. Even yeah, if, even yeah, if and I heard, and I, yeah, and it is about creative fulfillment. It is, it is, you know, it is like, you know, I want, that makes me feel fulfilled, you know? And mm. so, so, so that is, that's, that, that gives me satisfaction. Mm. And mm. it's funny, I was I was listening to Olivia Coleman this morning talking about this film that Maggie mm. Glennon all. Yes, um, yes. Did you see that on the BBC? And yeah, she was talking yeah, about yeah. the lost daughter. She was saying how she understood that character who mm. leaves her family and her daughters yeah, and everything yeah, yeah, because yeah. she's being so put down by her husband and she's mm. as intelligent as him. Mm. And she's mm. it's she's not being given a chance mm. to mm. exercise it. And, you know, that's not my story. I don't have children or anything like that, yeah. but... I, su I suppose that is that thing that there is that passion, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that, Charlie? Does this this resonate with you, uh, Maeve's kind of take on things there? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think. But you know, I mean, I suppose you know, in hindsight, like I mean, as you get older, you realize, like you know, as as Ruth was saying, like when you're younger, you have all that kind of fear and insecurity, and mm. I mean, people don't talk about failure enough. They don't talk about when things go wrong. Mm. You know, when you, you know, I made a film where everything went wrong. Absolutely everything went wrong. My lowest point probably was after that film where, you know, I was going through a divorce. I was homeless. You know, there was all yeah. kinds of things happening. And I remember going into you know I'm not going to name any names but yeah. I remember going to somebody because I thought like the only thing I can do is get mm. back up again just get mm. back up get out there and mm. you know I was practically given the green light on something which I felt like would get rid of all yes. the feelings of everything that had happened and just to 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 be called to a meeting and to be told by this person this man you know that he didn't like my script and it was subjective it was subjective 
but there was no positive feedback into why. Mm-hmm. But this, he obviously had the power to block it. Mm. And I remember getting up and thinking, you know, that's it. That's it. I just can't do this anymore. You know, I have two kids. Mm. I have to make a living. And I'm just, I just can't do it. And to be honest with you, you know, in a way, like in hindsight, that mm. gave me an opportunity to go back to education. You know, I just packed up everything lived with my mother for a while and I went back and I did a master's in creative writing and it was the best thing I ever did mm. it was the best thing I ever did because it opened up you know it, it gave me back control yeah where I'd been in this thing of mm. it's all about the grant system it's all about being in there and you're like rats you know you're applying for these grants and like they don't have enough money to give out to everybody mm. and it's you're so insecure because you don't know when the next paycheck is coming mm. and that's actually when I consciously went into television Mm. you know I thought okay that's it but I don't really see it now as quitting I mean I think we all think well what else can you do but but I see it as evolving do you know what I mean like you you, you know because I mean I even you know you know Hillary you're saying you 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 got the opportunity to go back and 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 to study journalism Mm. and and that obviously you could see yourself in another light or you mm. could see other pops possibilities. And then Ruth, you went to mm. Beckinsfield, you know, mm. and it's, it's, it's just like, sometimes you have to say to yourself, look at um, the things that happen or the low points can yeah. become high points mm. because mm. you're actually, it made me really critically think about the industry, right. go, mm. just getting out of it yeah. and, and, and having that, you know, you're, you, you're not in the rat race of production mm. all the time. So you can mm. see things from afar. And also like I just, when you say Maeve, you know, I, I realized I didn't have to make, or, you know, I didn't have to make popcorn films. I remember mm. once being at this mm. conference, you know, and there was this big mm. shot American producer mm. and he was telling us all, you know, it's, it's all about like popcorn films. Nobody wants coffee cake, you know. And like, I was incensed because I make a brilliant coffee cake. And, and I, I love coffee cake. Like, and I gave him the recipe for my bloody coffee cake. I just thought, like, how dare you? We don't all want to make popcorn films, you know? It's like, yeah. oh, jeez. Mm. So, yeah, mm. I mean, I, I, I think you know, highs and lows, there's so many, Susan. I, yeah, I know. You know but, I, Ger- I but, Geraldine, but, Geraldine, uh, this, just going back and tipping it again, because, you know, I think this is a real thing, you know? I mean, about, about earning a crust, about, like, I know the freedom, yes, to pursue, and I can understand all of that, but also that that horror of like, you know, that money, that like you have to have money to put food on the table and to live. Now, did your editing background give you work opportunities even through all this madness? Uh, for a while it did, but 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 you see, in the business, especially in like, I was in drama film editing. Right. I did do a few documentaries, but it was mostly drama. People don't like you when you cross over into directing. Oh, they they really don't. No, no, no. no. It's a no, no. You, you you know they want you to do one thing or the other. Okay. Uh, and that's okay. what I found. I found that a lot. It's like yeah. you're encroaching in some way. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. They feel that yeah. you know, you're not going to invest all your yeah. time in it. Yeah. Then you know, importantly, in terms of the the industry and the way it's going now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's changing all the time. Do you know what I mean? And if you're in editing now, you've got to keep up yes. all the oh, technology. absolutely. I mean, yeah. I do my own editing now, but, yeah. but to be honest with you, I'm I'm far happier writing and directing. Okay. Uh, 
you know. Right. Mm, interesting. I, yeah. I do it if I have to. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Ruth, what, what, what's your take on all this? You're mute. You're mute. Sorry, yeah. Um, just what Maeve was saying there about mm. crushing setbacks. I mean, it's an industry of crushing setbacks for everybody. Mm. And that's probably, if you're any, if you're any two eyes in your head and a bit of a half a brain, you look at the level of competition and the amount of people that would like to make films. Yeah. And there's a very good reason. It's mm. unbelievably fulfilling mm. um, and incredibly com uh, mm. competitive. Um, mm. So I feel like your relationship with crushing setbacks is mm. absolutely essential. The kind of mm. relationship you have with rejection mm -hmm. and failure. And mm. if you're on a knife's edge for your validation mm. all the time as to whether or not you're validate, and especially like you were saying, if there's state money and you're applying for that and it becomes more than the money, it becomes all about whether or not you are eligible. Do you know that there's, so there's all sorts of, what I kind of absolutely love about the whole thing is it's about your relationship with inside with yourself mm. and with the world and it's going to drag you through the most unbelievable obstacle mm. course mm. and as Geraldine was saying it's also been my experience that then that the lows have flipped into liberation liberating mm. like not necessarily highs in the moment but they've mm. you know you can maybe be bullied so much by yourself and your fears mm. before you, something just pops and you go feck it you know mm. and there can be these a kind of unbelievable energy that can come in mm. that you can be somebody who's kind of cowering cap in hand please help me to fuck it I'm just I'm doing this and nothing is getting in the way and mm. sometimes when you're a bit older and life has kicked the shit out of you which is <laughs> for most of us in my language but really it has you know um you've nothing to lose and it's so liberating like so you know for me I see the whole thing in a very holistic way. I don't mm. see it as a career. I okay. see it as a personal path of uh, endurance, of teaching, training, of um, growth, of just put me to the pin of the collar, at my mm. collar. I don't think, I've, you know, has upset me beyond, me like to the point of ridiculousness, like, you know, and has brought me kind of fulfillment mm. that, I don't think anything else could. So mm. that's very high stakes. Do you know? Yes. It's, it's no wonder people, mm. we are all both elated and terrified. Mm. And I think the relationship you have with that emotional interior landscape is mm. actually in the end of the day, what mm. matters. And as you get older, you know, you'll still be massively disappointed, devastated, and you'll still be really delighted and elated, but you might have a bit of a different relationship with that. Yes. That I hear you. Maybe. Yeah. I hear you. What about you, Hillary? What, what do you think about all this? Yeah, have you, I agree. Have you been devastated in your life, your <laughs> professional life? So many times. Uh, I mean, I agree with what everybody's saying. It's just I don't think you can go near this industry without preparing yourself somehow to be sort of horribly rejected and devastated and weeping on the floor and, you know, all of those things. And, you know, I think we've all been there and somehow you, you have to kind of protect yourself from it. And I mean, and I do remember that once in a flat in London, not getting the part, which I thought I was so perfect for and crying my eyes out and then thinking, what the fuck am I doing? You know, it's like uh, nobody cares except me. I'm the one who's torturing myself. And I just thought, I, you know, I've got to stop this. I've got to give myself half an hour to 
to, you know, to, to, you know, bash my brains out and then just get over yourself. And mm. you, you have to kind of create an armor and, and, and create some kind of protection for yourself because, you know, some things are going to go fine. Some things are going to go great. Mm. And some things are just going to fall apart. And the things you really want and you work really passionately for, and then they're, you know, kind of somebody wipes the floor with them and you just have to get, you just have to, like not let it get to you and and you do build up barriers as you get older of course you do and you know I suppose when you're younger you're you're more resilient and you're you kind of well you'll just do something else but it always hurts and you know we're all freelancers so you know there's a certain amount of crap you have to take because you're freelance and you know you 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 you're working from job to job or contract to contract so you know, and you or you're creating your own work. And as you say, you need security, you need to you need money, you need to survive. And, you know, there's all those things. So it's one great big mix of. Um, uh, and again, you know, you get so much satisfaction for, yeah. from it. And I think that's why people stick it out. And you think you just find another way and you work harder. You just you just keep going and you just, mm. you know, you, 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 you make decisions about, you know, I don't know. You 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 have to have some control over all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Rejection and everything, mm. and and you do get some great highs from it. Of course mm. you do, and uh, you know, and they're and they're wonderful. Um, but I yes. yeah, I would. Um, I suppose they are wonderful, and you know, there's so many things that I want to talk to you about, and I'm keeping my eye on the clock, and I actually can't believe the time is passing because I'm sort of. There's so many things I could I could be here for two hours with you guys, but I suppose I want to bring you on to the last couple of years where there has been. Now, we could debate about the level, the extent, whatever, but I think we would have to agree that there that the landscape has changed in the last six years somewhat in the sense that there is an awareness uh, that it was overly male dominated, that something needed to be done. Initiatives have been put in place. You might say, well, they're not good. or You might say they could be better or all of that. But I suppose what I want to, uh, to a two part question for each of you here. Number one, do you feel kind of energized by that? And the second part of it is, do you feel that, do you feel, do you feel that women of who reach a certain age have kind of missed out on maybe a lot of the, the a lot of the, the pluses now? Maybe, a, maybe you might regard some of those initiatives as more for emerging writers, for instance? Uh, or do you think that, you know, rising tide lifts all boats? So what do you think about the general culture now? And do you think that there's enough being done for more experienced writers, more experienced directors, and often people who have reached certain age without perhaps a lot of help along the way? Maeve, what do you think? I think it's great now. Um, I, I think I think it's fantastic, and um, I think um, I think you know uh, I think Ireland was almost ahead of the curve with the waking the feminists thing, and then I think um, and then the Me Too, and then the you know the Times Up, and that just opened up the whole thing about gender equality, and I think Women Film TV Ireland is particularly strong, I have to say, um, and you know that whole thing of you know, encouragement, you know, the power of just simply encouraging. Mm. I felt it directly with the Silent Grace revival. Mm. You know, I, you know, um, 
And, you know, the encouragement I personally got from women, women film TV, it's like, oh, my God, there's people interested. <laughs> this this mm. is great, you know. Mm. And, um, and that um, push, you know, maybe, you know, it is because I come from a political background, but feeling that like it was okay to join together, you know, and I thought it was, you know, like a really beautiful moment. Orla and I sort of like, you know, join, rejoined together mm -hmm. on that, you know, and mm -hmm. we had this incredible screening in Trinity College mm -hmm. Dublin. With, that was Ruth Barton. And that was through, you know, Women Film TV connected in with that somehow. I can't remember how. But um, and, you know, then the screening happened and, 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 and to see something completely change in terms of appreciation you know, proper yeah. appreciation, you know, it, and because that was so visible in terms yeah. of, you know, hunger strike genre and all that, you know, um, and the, the transformation that happened, it, it was like um, re-energizing. It was fantastic. And so, and is fantastic. And it continues, you know, like the B BFI player now interested in it. It just goes on and on, you know. So, so Maeve, you do not find your age to be a deterrent, is that well, what I'm I, no, because I think it's a great time okay. and I find it an exciting time. And mm -hmm. yes, probably I would have been on that one of those courses and it would have been easier, mm -hmm. you know, yes. for my first okay. film and even yes. for my second film. Mm -hmm. So, yes, uh, you know, I had to fight harder, mm -hmm. you know, but you just accept your story. You know, mm -hmm. there's a certain strength that comes from independent mm -hmm. filmmaking, you know. Um, and um, uh, and I think now what I feel is, is I refuse to kind of, ageism is just sexism in a different form, you know, to, to kind of even, you know, think about that. Like I say, I, I, I had an amazing role model in Ken Loach to kind of be in his prime. You know, he, I feel like I'm mid-career, mid-life. And I look at him and I think, you know, there he is, eight years old. I, Daniel Blake. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so yes, of course, sometimes you sort of feel like, God, it would have been nice to have had all those opportunities. Yes. My God, it would have been. But, you know, it swings and roundabouts. There's probably less competition. Okay. I don't know. Geraldine, okay. yeah. what do you think? I think it's great. I think all the initiatives are great. They're 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 brilliant. I mean, I you know, sometimes I do get a little bit frustrated with with the idea that the language like, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, the, the whole the, the equality issue isn't just in the film business. It's society. No. Right? So, you know, but the language sometimes annoys me, you know, when it talks about like opening up the film industry for women. Christ almighty, we've been there yes, forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it just annoys me when yes. you say that. I mean, I come from a fact, you know, my sister is a film editor in London. That's right. And has yeah. been for 25 years. Yeah. I have a sister in LA who works on The Simpsons. I mean, yeah. she's been in the film industry for 35 yes. years. Yes, yes. Like, you know, there's three of us in a family that there was nobody creative. They were all engineers, you mm -hmm. know? So it's like, yeah. What are you talking about, man? We've yes. all been here. Yes. But but I do think that it, yeah, it it's it's a good time. It's a, it's a really really productive time for women. I think the problem is still for actresses like Olivia Coleman, mm. um, Maeve was saying mm. this morning mm. that you know you don't get scripts like that very often. I mean, okay, mm. Elena Franti is a brilliant writer, but mm. I think there's the perception there that 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 women, you know, on screen they're very cliched if they're older. I'm not sure that there's a problem with ageism for, I, I, certainly I don't think I've ever come across 
ageism in terms of me, I think it's actually mm. been good for, for mm. let's say, you know, Wally, one of the Mercury women yeah. you know, in, in the Netflix documentary. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, she got to go to space. Yes. You know I, mean? I was yes. sitting with her in 2013 where she yes. was telling me I'm going, I don't know how I'm getting there, but I'm going. And the reason I think she got there is because of the whole Me Too and the whole highlighting women. And, you know, okay, she went up with Jeff, Jeff Bezos, uh, but, you know, look, at that's an, I think he was doing it for his own reasons. <laughs> he wanted to jump on that bandwagon as well. But but it, it, I do think the rising type does lift, you know, our, our profile. But it's just there's still that thing that is nobody talks about Ridley Scott being 80 plus. Yes, you know, no, I do. Exactly. Male directors being old. So why would you talk about female directors? Why is it that it becomes an issue with female directors? They're never asked their age. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, so, so yeah, it, 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 it's the perception, I think. The perception has to change. It's like the perception of a film director being male. Exactly. It's, it's still exactly. there. Yeah. It's still yeah. there. Yeah. You know, or executives, yeah. film executives yeah. being male. It's yeah. still there. So I think yeah. there's a long way to go. Yes. We're, we're, you know, don't get me wrong. It's like, I think we're up to the challenge, but I no, think there's a long way yeah. to go. Yes. Uh, what do you think, Ruth? Um, yeah, I mean, I actually, I think we're, it's an ageist world. Yes, um, it is. So the industry is reflecting that. But I mm. think that is also being questioned. Mm. Just like, um, and, and I'm absolutely a benefic- benefic- beneficiary of, the changes in Screen Ireland and I'm, I know that you know I received extra funding and having gone through a couple of decades of just feeling like if I could get to the audience I might have an audience and not yes. know, but not knowing so I, I do have a very strong register of the changes and and um, coinciding I guess personally with my own sense of energy for it Mm. But I, think, I, I mean, it's weird, isn't it? It's, it's contradictory feelings because I, I, I went to that fabulous expollinator um, uh, event that Katie and Laura organized. And I would say one of the things that I picked up from all of the female, uh, you know, the theater, film, the amount of women who were grieving the careers they didn't have. Yeah. From, from ch- having children and not being able to like, so I, I don't want to, paste over that and go nothing nothing everything's fine now because I think the last two or three decades of of women who have not been able to have been forced to choose children Mm -hmm. or career and Mm -hmm. and that's but I do think that's changing thank god Mm -hmm. and I will it will change if we insist on it changing yeah um, okay yeah so so yeah no but I'm really um I myself feel like I'm beginning always yes you know so I feel like I don't personally identify with the ageism you know? yes i know i, I, I hear you yeah enthusiastic yeah. than i ever yeah. did and more yeah. and and so but but it's like that thing of going okay i feel that but i understand yes yeah yeah okay yeah. yeah yeah hillary what about you ageism did you did you did you have any sense of that as an actor particularly maybe um well yeah i of course because you know parts dry up for actors when you reach mm. what 30 um i think that is changing now a bit hopefully i think there's a much greater awareness now um than when i started you know when i started out and and you know all the people in positions of power were were men um mostly um and uh, yeah i think it's you know i think um 
I mean, I, I don't I don't feel that now. I don't feel that working on Fair City. There's a big cross section of, of ages and genders and it's pretty balanced. Um, uh, but I but uh, like over the years, I know a lot of uh, uh, yeah, a lot of women who may be really talented women who would have who would have pushed back back and lost a lot of work because they were you know they were lippy or they didn't agree with what was going on or you know and mm-hmm. and I think you, you and I think that that has changed now mm-hmm. and I think there is a much greater awareness because of all the movements because of you know the guild because of people like you you know and just you just make people aware in the me too movement and and all of that um and and it's important and it's important to keep to keep pushing it I think um, there was a wonderful on the um, I remember on the um, uh, the yes campaign and the uh, and I remember seeing a banner for um, midwives for, uh, for, for for voting yes and in in the march and they had a big banner saying keep pushing keep pushing keep pushing for change <laughs> I thought it was wonderful <laughs> but I think that's what I think that's what we, every generation has to do you mm. just you just keep and and things will shift and and they are shifting and it's great okay great i'm looking at two questions here guys and i know we're we're, we're coming out of time but um i'm dreadful Gemma. thank goodness for Gemma, who's uh, sent it in to remind me that i hadn't seen it and apologies to the audience member concerned so lorna fitzsimmons asks uh, to all of you uh, but i uh, but i'm going to have to be quick with these um i've been told on several occasions that the best way to get opportunities in directing in ireland is to go and get representation and training abroad whether that be the europe or the us what are your feelings on this and i wonder if you have experience of this uh, how do you feel about um f- about opportunities in other countries is that is that an issue more opportunities outside of ireland anybody have a thought on that well, certainly, I do think that uh, a lot of Irish women have ha- got their opportunities to direct profile mm. drama by going across to England. Mm. Um, I, you know, Dervla Walsh. Hannah yes. Um, you know, the, the, and, and yeah. I do think that it, it, is, it is a way I, 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 I didn't do that um, because I had young kids at the time. Mm. Um, but I think there's great opportunities in that, mm-hmm. and and it is a way to get get representation, um, you know. But to be honest with you, you know, you 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 just have to do what your gut tells you to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do it your mm-hmm. own way. You mm-hmm. do it whatever way you can. If you really want to be a director, do it whatever way you can, you know. And if you if you're not in a position to move, then then do mm-hmm. it here. I mean, I don't know about directing in other countries. I'm not sure whether it would be easier in the states. Mm. I, I'm just I'm not sure. Maybe I know that you, you're you're based obviously in 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 around London. Do you think the opportunities for women going over are there directing opportunities, or do you think there the chances are they'll do as well here? You don't know. I, I mean, again, it comes down to the time thing. I think you know, like what Ruth was saying. You know, Screen Ireland are are very on it. You know, the whole fifty fifty thing at the moment. Um, I think the BFI probably are as well. I mean, my career has come sort of through in, independent filmmaking. Mm. So, you know, I didn't get many opportunities. Um, um, I got some. I got some funding. You know, from the BFI for sure and. You know, they tend to buy my stuff at the end or release them or I get distributors or, you know, and I, 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 
for me, it's more different thing about finding the right relationships mm. with people because for, for two of the projects mm. that were London Irishy based mm. or Beyond the Firewalls, Taking Stuff wasn't, you know, I had Frank Mannion as an exec mm. producer from Swipe Films, who's actually Irish, but in yeah. England, in London. And so they, we, we were kind of doing independent financed films that, that went out into the cinema and afterwards. So I don't know yeah. is the answer. I don't know. Okay, Probably, but yeah. I don't know. I think, you know, as, as you were saying there, maybe you need, do need to listen to your gut. There's no, there's no automatic guarantee that if you cross to England, you're going to get more opportunities. There is, but there is more, more, there isn't a lot of drama mm. here. Are you, know, are you so, talking about TV, Ruth? Yeah, I'm talking about yeah. TV. In terms of, I, I go, I go back to. I think the best thing is to is to really try to focus on 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 asking yourself the kind of work you want to make, mm. and where is that um, something about your own voice that require you know? Do you mm. just need to really focus on that? Mm. Is it you? You know, what skills do you want, and where yeah. will you get them? Yeah. I don't think I was. Yeah. I think I would have benefited hugely from some kind of mentor or, or support yeah. to even have those conversations with. Yes. So yes. I think if people were starting out like that, they could have the com right conversations to help mm. them get the right information about mm. what's right for them. Yeah. Okay. We have one more. We have one more here, guys. Um, Ray McCall asks uh, says uh, this panel is incredibly. Um, the panel is everything incredibly inspiring. Well, that's true. I find that myself. Uh, over lockdown, she says, I threw myself into making one to two mini films, which sparked an absolute joy. I've now written my first 15 minute short, which is quite ambitious. I feel overwhelmed with what next steps to take. Once it's written and been through all the drafts and script surgeries, what is the next stage? Do I find a producer, write a pitch packet, uh, package research um, funding bodies? find investors would love to understand the journey from script to screen i know it's a big question thanks in advance um what do you think i know now this is like how do you do it like in in you know in two all of seconds. the above <laughs> yeah um if you were this person who has literally just gotten in um First and has all, done all I this through lockdown. It, so, it sounds it sounds a very productive lockdown, I have to say, which is great. Yeah. What, what do you do? Do you find do you find a producer? Is that the first thing you almost have to do? Well, first of all, she's made stuff, and I think yeah. that's a hugely important thing. Yeah, like you know, to actually make something. And, yeah, and yes, but it's finding the right producer or, or, or the yeah. people to help you. You have the conversations to get mm. all of the things she's suggesting sound to me practical. Mm. You know, mm. um, and it is a case, isn't it, pushing at every door, and and at the yeah. same time just trying to work out, um, what's right for the, the piece of work yeah. that you want to make. Yeah, I mean, I think there there are if if. She's made stuff already. Yeah. Then, then she's probably she's got a showreel, so she's a, able to 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 probably apply to one of those, you know, short schemes. Mm -hmm. I mean, the very very first short is normally just do it, just yeah. do it, do it, do it. Get mm -hmm. a camera, you know, find out who else wants mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like yeah, I think um, find out what schemes are coming up, you know, in terms of shorts, and then maybe find a producer and sort of you know um and um and yeah that would be the best thing okay anything anyone want to add anything to that no but no. don't spend too long looking for a producer just go yeah. and make it yeah just, just go after it chase after it they can only say no and you can knock the next door yeah it's a beginning anyway as you say the fact that she has done this is wonderful and a comment for my uh, pal and um 
and, and with a colleague, and I know where this is coming from, and I think it is uh, perfectly right. Uh, Yaro is saying, Yaro Valdek is saying, we do need, and I've, the thing is hopping now, but Yaro's point is, we do need to uh, be conscious of, um, you know, writer, directors and so on. But of course, Yarrow is a DOP, is always conscious of certain areas that need more work. And uh, Yarrow, your, your actual question or statement has run away from me there on the side of the screen, but I know only too well from, from lots of conversations we've had. So we're very interested in uh, more position, crew positions for women or non-traditional kind of work. Um, for women. Uh, DOPs versus Yarrow is a real champion for that. So I know that, you know, today maybe wasn't the, the, the we didn't have scope here with this particular mix, but even editors, Geraldine, you will know, I mean, you know, we, we all, it's, it's, we want to see women in across the board in all kinds of positions. Would you agree with that? And sometimes we do, we do seem to be talking about writer directors an awful lot, don't we really? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, well, I suppose that's a, uh, if your experience is is from there, but yeah. you know, certainly I know from being with students, there there yeah. is still that gap. There is still is, that yes, gap. and it's I don't know where it comes yeah. from. Whether it comes from our education system, yeah. but yeah. women do not step behind yeah. the camera. It's always yeah. lads in the class. Yes, here. I know, I know. And I, I just yeah. you know, you gotta like uh, you know, it's changing, yeah. um, and and it, it it will take a bit more but I just feel there's still that perception even in our education system and our universities that yeah. is dampening the more confident and they're normally the men I'm sorry no, to say you see, there are so many things we could still be talking about here, and I think you're all being very polite. And I would say now that if we if we could sit back and have another hour, uh, a lot of things would be coming out. There are so many fabulous comments here, lads, and apologies to the audience. For me, of course, I need to be constantly reminded to check. But really, uh, comments like, thank you for the great conversation. As an independent film producer, I so identify with much that we share, the struggles, the triumph, adjusting your expectations at every stage so you can mop yourself off the floor as needed, but the passion that is relentless so you cannot quit. So I think we all identify that. And another comment, very interesting to get an insight into your journeys into film, thanks to Susan and the panel. I have made films on um, a no to low budget basis. So I do have an understanding of some of what's involved. So uh, folks, we have to leave it there. I wanted to nip around and ask everyone. Of course, I had 10 questions. What a joke that was, because once you start talking, of course, you never have enough time. I hope that in another guise and in maybe a different lineup, you will all come back again. I know from the uh, I, I know very well from those statements and comments and our audiences, and I know that we'll, this will be a much listened to podcast. Uh, I, I know that we're all um, very keen to meet filmmakers of all different backgrounds, all different ages, and to understand how uh, you get it, go about your business and how you maintain that passion that I know that you need. Um, so uh, without delaying any further, as I see the more comments coming in, uh, I have to leave and say happy Christmas to the panel. Thank you to Maeve Murphy. Thank you to Geraldine Creed, to Ruth Meehan, to Hilary Reynolds. Thank you so much. I hope you and your families have a wonderful Christmas. And to our audiences and members, cheers, folks. <laughs> Hopefully there won't be another year like 2021 <laughs> and we'll be out and about rubbing shoulders <laughs> with you. Happy Christmas happy and a good Christmas. Happy New Thank Year you. to all of us. <laughs> Thank you so much. And aging is a privilege. Absolutely. <laughs> If you would like to support Women in Film and Television Ireland or follow the work we do, log on to wft.ie.